Hello and welcome, Charlotte, Rock Hill, Gastonia, surrounding area 704. Welcome to the latest installment of Under Construction. I am your host, the angry black fan, Jamal Darby. Top left, I have Mr. Rodney, Rob Pops Richardson. What's going on, sir? How you feeling, man? Uh, it's been a weekend. Uh, yeah, man. It, it has been for you, buddy. It's been a weekend of emotional roller coasters. Yeah, I'm sorry about your boys last night, man. Nah, I'm not worried about that. I'm, just worried. I'm more upset about today. I got you. And to my top right, Mr. Kaiser Sosa is in the building. What's going on, my man? What's up, man? Longest week in history, probably, I think. I agree. Um, election day feels like two years ago, I swear. <laughs> more like election month. But yeah. that's not why we're here today. Man, we were, when we were up 14 to 3, I was like, man, stop the count. Stop the count. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna put it in full order. I was like, man, I'm like, look, if, if 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 that guy can say it, I can say it. Shit. <laughs> well, um, here at Under Construction, we are not fake news. Uh, the Panthers, we are here to report that the Panthers have unfortunately lost another game, thirty-one to thirty-three to the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. Um, guys, I want to start off by asking you just a real straightforward question. Is this a good moral victory today? Who wants to take this? Um, I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm, there, there, there was no, I'm, I'm mixed on it. Mm. There was no doubt that we were going to score points today, but the defense kind of let me down. We had one punt all game. They've stepped up on the, on that last Kansas city drive, but I'm, <sighs> On offense, there were there were a lot of bright spots. Teddy looked good today. Uh, Christian came back strong. Uh, Curtis Samuel had a had an awesome game today, man. It's it's, it's this is finally the guy that, that we actually want to see. But I mean, we we just we, we got to clean up a lot of things on D, man. It's it's a young team. A yeah. lot needs to be cleaned up. A lot. Yeah. Kaiser, what you got, buddy? No such thing as moral victories. This is a game the Panthers could have won. Um, as far as why they didn't. There's a lot of reasons. Ultimately, they're just not as good as the Chiefs, obviously. Pretty much. And they had to – the Panthers really had to sell out and be super aggressive and go all out even to be in the position to win the game. And that's the difference in a team like the Chiefs and the team like the Panthers. Now, you could look at it and say, well, hey, we at least we didn't get blown out as some might have expected. You know, hey, we only lost by two points, but a loss is a loss in, in a game – um, like this, where you really had it, they really had a chance to win this game. Um, it, it's disappointing. Um, it's 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 really disappointing. Having said that, I still think the Panthers are probably better than a lot of people thought they would be coming into the season. And um, I think you can look at the season as a whole when it's all said and done as a productive season and a step in the right direction. I agree. I agree. Is is, is it poetic that one of our missed field goals was the difference in the game and that the other team has a guy that we probably should have kept? Yeah, I, you know, it, it pains me to see the Panthers, although to be fair, at the beginning of the game, their red zone offense was pretty good. What a difference Christian McCaffrey makes. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, like, yeah. Night and day, him being on the field, and the Panthers were able to go 14-3. But once the, the Chiefs' defensive calls got settled in, they were able – we were the same old Panthers. We couldn't score. 
in the red zone. And how ironic that the only way we could score is field goals, and then we end up missing an easy field goal and then having to depend on an NFL record-setting field goal to win the game. Um, hey, man, he had the leg. He didn't have, he didn't have the direction. Yeah. You know, it, it, that was a hard kick. The wind yeah. is obviously very, very strong. I mean, uh, I, I, I feel bad for Jeff Sly because this is going to go down on his stats, all these missed field goals. Yeah. Like, what other Yeah, it's, get, it's getting put in a pretty bad <laughs> position, man. Yeah. yeah, like like two of the last three weeks we've had to uh, – Like crazy kicks. Breaking kicks, yeah. It's a, <laughs> um, that's, that's unacceptable. Uh I, I do think the offense actually, though, played fairly well today. I mean, the Chiefs' yeah. defense ain't world beaters. We all know that, and I expected them to play decent. Uh, it's just that one of the commentators mentioned this consistency. The Panthers yeah. couldn't maintain any momentum offensively. They'd have a great drive, and then the very next drive, they're just back to the same old Panthers. Yeah, and specifically in the third quarter, 30 total yards in the third quarter, scoring zero points. Kansas City scored a touchdown in the third quarter, which ultimately was the difference in the game. Uh, want to start off by talking about the quarterbacks. Teddy Bridgewater, 36 for 49, 310 yards, two touchdowns, took two sacks for seven yards, passer rating of 103.3. Guys, what do you think about Mr. Bridgewater's performance today? I mean, he was consistent, but, I mean, it's, 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 it's going to take a lot to beat that team. And honestly, we're just not there yet. I mean, it's I'm, we honestly did not expect them to even be in the game, to be in the game and competitive that late. But I mean, for what he bought today, he did a good job. I mean, effort plays, uh, bringing them together. Uh, I did have some issues, in, especially in the first quarter. You can't use two timeouts in the first quarter on the first drive. I can't do it. You no. can't do that. And then, and then, and then there was some clock management issues with throwing the ball in the middle of the field, driving down the field. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't like that in the fourth quarter too many yeah. But this is indicative of something we've talked about: the Panthers relying on the short game. Yeah, it, you've got you've got to go like one of our uh, fans has said: a bunch of underneath throws that don't work in in those situations. No, it doesn't. You can't toss underneath. You got to throw to the sidelines and try and get out of bounds, and um, it it just didn't work. I mean. It, if you look at and here's the thing, Patrick Mahomes. If you looked at, if you just watched the game, if you didn't look at the box score, you would feel like he had a fairly pedestrian game, right? And but it was far from pedestrian. No, yeah, he he trounced us. He he threw four less passes than Bridgewater, but sixty more yards and two more touchdowns. That's I think it. Travis Kelsey might have had a little something to do. Might have had a little something to do with that. But, but hey, we got Christian McCaffrey, who had ten catches for eighty-two yards, which is you know. And Curtis Samuel had a hell of a game. Yeah. I, the idea, this idea that the Panthers don't have offensive weapons, I don't think we can lean on that anymore. I think yeah. they have the talent. They just have to have the play calling and execution to match it. There was a play in the first quarter where. The Panthers ran a seam flat, which is, you know, very basic route combination. Every man player knows that. You put a running back on the flat, and then mm-hmm. you put someone on the seam, and then the inside linebacker in his own has to essentially decide who he wants to cover. Panthers ran a seam flat, and the linebacker, st- he just stayed in the zone, which left Mike Davis open in the flat, right? Right. 
But Robbie Anderson essentially ran past the zone, and he's 20 yards downfield wide open on the scene. Where do you think Teddy Bridgewater threw the ball? Mike threw Davis. It, threw it to Mike Davis. Now, the Panthers got the first down, but the thing is Mike Davis had to fight for that first down yardage, and we missed a chance to get a chunk play. Do you think Patrick Mahomes is throwing that ball to the flat? If he, no. He's going down the screen? No, not, not at all. Um, Kaiser, you, you bring up a good point. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, those things the Panthers got to recognize and, and execute on. Kaiser, you bring up a good point because I, I wanted to speak briefly about Patrick Mahomes and our defense. Um, going into this game, you know, I, I said to myself, if we don't get any type of pressure on Patrick Mahomes, I mean, it's going it's to be really ugly. In the first half, I thought we got some pretty decent pressure on Patrick Mahomes at times. I thought we, we you know, we got some pressure up the middle, which kind of caused him to, to miss some throws, uh, specifically to Tyreek Hill. Uh, that kind of changed in the second half. And with our defense, with our defense that does not play any man coverage, with our defense that doesn't bring a lot of blitzes, with our defense that's basically going to sit back. They're going to sit back and kind of, you know, uh, communicate amongst each other in the secondary to see who needs to be covered. That was just a bad formula for this type of team. You cannot give Patrick Mahomes that much time and make him that that comfortable enough where he can just sling it all over the field. And that's what happened. Nobody guarded Travis Kelsey in the first half, <laughs> all game, really. And, 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 again, it just goes back to this bend but don't break defense, man. And, and – I don't know if we had much choice today because we can't match up with him. So, yeah, I mean, why is Russell Douglas covering? I, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to goes back to what I said. We're not manning up. You know what I mean. So when we're in cover two, cover three, and you got guys basically, you know, trying to decide who they're covering on the fly with the rusty Russell Douglas who's coming off the COVID list, it's just a bad formula, man. So, so guys, I got a question. How much did we miss Jeremy Chin today? We missed him dearly today. Right. I mean, look, he's one of maybe two or three guys on his defense who can tackle. I and how comfortable with him in coverage with Travis Kelce. Travis absolutely. Kelce. Absolutely. But how many missed tackles was there today, guys? I mean, Woo. look, um, Sam Franklin, I, I thought, you know, for him to be a young <laughs> guy, he, he played a decent game today. You know what I mean? But along with Trey Boston and along with Tahir Whitehead, who I'm, I'm, I'm over him. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm done with Tahir Whitehead. There were so many missed tackles and missed assignments and missed coverages. And I will say, though, I felt like the defense, considering who the opponent was, didn't play bad. Um, you know, it's just that – and I don't think the offense played bad either. I just think that neither one could really – you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Panthers only allowed 30 rushing yards, which I know the, the, the Chiefs offense isn't predicated around the rush, but that's still that's still pretty good. They were, you know, they were like, OK, we're not going to allow the run to that point to that point. Really quick. I mean, I mean, to cut you off. No, you're good. But, but the commentator in the game mentioned something similar. He was like, you got to take one or the other away against the Chiefs because you're not going to take both of them away. Right, yeah. Today, we decided to take the run away against the Chiefs, and we let Patrick Mahomes, you know, pass all right. over us. But it's a choice you got to make with this I, team. You know, I, I, I'm okay with that choice because the Panthers aren't strong enough on the back end to say, okay, 
we're going to make them beat us with the run. No, they would have beat us with the pass anyway, especially right. with Jimmy Chin not playing. I think then you, you say, okay, what are our strengths? Okay, we can stop the run against these guys, and we'll just have to – and it almost worked because the Panthers led the time of possession battle, and uh, they did a good job of keeping Mahomes and company off the field in the first half, and that's why they had the lead. But, you know, the Kansas City just got that switch where they'd be like, oh, man, we need a touchdown. We need two touchdowns. Then they go get two touchdowns, and and now you got Teddy Bridgewater flying through the air, uh, trying to get a first down. Great play, by the way. I it's I, that was a gutsy play. That I mean, that's a good thing I like from Teddy Bridgewater this year. I just wish sometimes he would just be the gunslinger. I know they made a the commentator said something about how Drew Brees told him, "Hey, you don't have to always be a gunslinger. No, sometimes you need to be a gunslinger, bro." Sometimes you got to throw that ball. Take a chance. Take a Absolutely. 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 Now, with, with that being said, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound like we're going to put, every, you know, all the blame on Teddy Bridgewater because he played a, a, a great game. Yeah. Simple question. Did he do enough? Did he do his part for the Panthers to 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 have won this game? If it, it can't, I, What I'm getting at is that, you know, we we – kind of get on him about being a game manager and not, you know, taking over the game and making plays. Did he make enough plays today? Can we fault him? Today? I, 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 me personally, I can't fault him. He gave his his weapons enough room to make to make plays. I mean, unless Teddy Bridgewater can line up and linebacker beside Shaq, I mean, I, I, I can't fault him for this one. Yeah, and because think about it, guys. There was a drive in the fourth quarter where there were three, I mean, three big-time plays. There was one by Teddy Bridgewater on the fourth and 14. Uh, there was another one by Curtis Sandal, a, a great catch by Samuel. And then there was another one by Christian McCaffrey, man. The Panthers showed a lot of guts today. The playmakers on offense made plays. But ultimately, not to sound like a broken record, we didn't have a playmaker on defense today. Do you all agree with that? Agree. Yeah, we didn't have a, a big impact guy on defense this week. No big impact plays, uh, no turnovers. That was probably honestly the difference. You're not now. You're not going to turn the Chiefs over if at all. Patrick Mahomes only thrown one interception on the entire season, so it would have been lofty to expect uh, that. But it just comes down to the, the Panthers just weren't quite as good. I if I had to put some blame on. Someone, maybe some of the coaching, like Rodney says, the timeout clock management situations was unacceptable. Um, that ended up – that didn't cost us the game, but it could have been the difference. Um, also, the play call, the offensive play calling, it is either Joe Brady is telling Bridgewater, throw the underneath, mm -hmm. or Bridgewater is making that decision. It's one or the other, and they've got to figure they've got to figure that situation out. Teddy Bridgewater threw almost fifty passes, forty nine passes for only three hundred ten yards. You might think that's a lot, but like we said before, Patrick Mahomes threw four or less passes and almost put four hundred on the board. Yeah, so, and and just real quickly, Teddy Bridgewater six point three yards per pass. Uh, Patrick Mahomes eight point three yards. So that's that's a major. Difference right there. Mm -hmm. Now, to, to also real quickly, cause to also speak to that point, man. Uh, just an observation. Just wanted to know if you guys kind of observed the same thing. I thought the Chiefs bought a lot. They brought a lot of blitzes in the second half. They blitzed a lot, 
And I think in the third quarter, we had some big time trouble with it, with with, uh, with kind of blocking the blitzes. It seems like we got that together a little too late. In the fourth quarter, we exploited a lot of those blitzes, but it was too late. Um, did you guys observe the same thing? Same thing. Yeah, yeah. we got a lot of heat, but and and I don't want to pile on Teddy here, but blitzing the bl- blitzing effectiveness is almost always the responsibility of the quarterback. He has to recognize the blitz, know where his hot read is, and then get the ball to that hot read. If he cannot do those things, then the blitz will be successful. And I don't know if Joe Brady wasn't calling the right plays for Teddy Bridgewater to do that or Teddy just wasn't able to do that, but the blitz was overly effective um, until late in the fourth quarter. And you would think with a team like the Panthers, we throw a lot of underneath. You would think we'd be pretty effective against the blitz, but teams know that. So they like, okay, where do they like to throw their hot reads to? Okay, we're going to put the coverage over there and have the blitz come from the other direction. And that's that little bit of change is all it takes to throw our offense out, out of rhythm. The Panthers got to fix that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is a question any one of us can answer, but DJ Moore was pretty invisible today. <laughs> What's up with that? Is there any answer to that question? It just I mean, look, man. There, there, there's one ball. I mean, mm-hmm. one ball. CMC is coming back. He's going to get the line share of the touches. Uh, Robbie Anderson is probably the top receiver on the team. And then Kurt Curtis is popping open all day. I mean, it, it's just the luck of the draw today, man. I mean, guys, I'm sorry. He, he has to he has to flash open, do something. Yeah, get there open. you go. Whoever's open, give him the ball. It, I I can only surmise that if DJ wasn't getting, he only got three targets, two catches on three targets. Um, so if he's only getting three targets, then he was only open three times. Uh, he's got I've uh, I, I've made mention of this before, and, and look, th- this is a bit of a hot take, and let me be the first to admit, I may be way off when it comes to this, but this is just a Jamal observation. I've said on earlier shows, you know, when DJ is not involved, I think he soaks. I, I, I think there's a, a bit of soaking and there's a bit of him uh, uh, not being totally into the into some of these games. I don't know if that's the case. Like I said, it, I may be way off with this, but I noticed a couple of weeks ago when DJ, when they had DJ running jet sweeps and they were, you know, throwing some underneath stuff to him and he got involved early, you know, he, he had a better game. He It, it was better off for the offense. I don't see this today. I had didn't see it last week. So I'm just kind of noticing a pattern. Am I way off with that? <laughs> I mean no. he got look like he got the towel over his head right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, and this is not really a knock on DJ Moore because I think he's a, a good wide receiver. But he's not good enough. There's only one player on the Panthers who is good enough for you to mold your game plan around week to week. Players know that you, the game plan is going to be much different against the Chiefs than it is the Saints or the Falcons or whoever. And they might say, okay, this week, this is going to be Robbie Anderson's week because this is the matchup we're going to expect. Mm-hmm. This week, da 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 da. But this week, we're going to run Christian McCaffrey. We're going to pass to him. That's our, that's our guy. DJ Moore is not good enough to where every week you say, okay, how are we going to exploit? Uh, DJ Moore's ability against the defense. You don't do that every week because DJ Moore, he's just not that good. And if anything, honestly, I feel like Robbie Anderson's having the better season, and you can do that more with Robbie than you can DJ. 
Yeah. Um, real quickly, guys, uh, receiving stats here, Curtis Samuel, nine catches, 105 yards today. Uh, like Kaza mentioned earlier, uh, Chris McCaffrey, uh, 10 catches, 82 yards. Robbie Anderson, nine for 63. DJ Moore, two for 18. So kind of, you know, to Rodney's point, man, like like you said, it's, it's, it's one ball to pass around, man. Somebody's going to lose out uh, from week to week. <clears throat> Fellas, hey, guys, I got a question. Go ahead, sir. Um, with CMC coming back this week, do you think we use Mike Davis effectively this game? Um, I, I wish I would have saw more. I, I do. I, I really wish I would have saw, you know, just some kind of up to gut runs with with uh, with Mike Davis. Um, you know, clock man, uh, us dom us controlling the clock was a was a big factor for us today with keeping it close. Mike Davis would have helped in that regard. But here's the thing, Rodney and Cousin, man. When you got those two, when you got Chris McCaffrey and you got Mike Davis, you got all those weapons, you know, in the, in the receiving core. It's just like you got to go with the sure shots a little more. You know what I mean? You got to go with the names you trust <laughs> a little more. So if I got Chris McCaffrey in the backfield and I got Mike Davis and I'm going against the world champion Chiefs, and I know every, every possession is critical, I'm going to go with the guy I trust a little more, man. Like you said, Rodney, there's one ball to go around. Somebody's going to lose out, man. Christian McCaffrey, 10 targets, 10 catches on 10 targets. That's the most targets anybody had besides Robbie Anderson, but that was also the most catches. Every time you throw the ball to Christian McCaffrey, he's going he gonna to catch it. And I know he's not catching it downfield, although he had a spectacular downfield catch uh, late in the game. I mean, the dude is just, is just that good. I would have seen like to see more from Mike Davis running the ball, maybe just like mm -hmm. a change of pace kind of thing. He only had one rush for three yards. Christian McCaffrey only had 18 rushes. That's really not a lot for a starting NFL quarterback. Um, but the Panthers were had purposefully slowed the pace down and were controlling the clock. And I think they felt like we can do that better with McCaffrey. The Panthers don't run a lot of two back sets. Um they just don't. And people are like, well, maybe they should, but they just don't. So if you bring Mike Davis into the game instead of Christian McCaffrey, you're kind of tipping your hand off. Yeah. There. Whereas with Christian McCaffrey, <clears throat> you know, you he might come out of the backfield for a pass or, or you know, he might be running. And I think they, they felt like they wanted had to keep the defense honest. Now, Kaiser, there was there was one package that the Panthers run that the Panthers ran that resulted in a uh, I believe a Curtis Samuel touchdown if I if I remember correctly, where they did at one time had Mike Davis and Chris McCaffrey on the field together and they used Mike Davis as a blocker on the outside. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and y'all remind me who scored because my my memory's a little fuzzy. Yeah, but but don't you? Why not run more stuff like that? Because now you may be tipping your your cap a little bit, but you can also fool some people. If you call the right play, if you're using those two together, you agree with that? Oh yeah, I. I but I think the the reason the uh, the Panthers don't like those sets is because you lose a wide receiver. Yeah. In those sets, you you know, and Curtis Samuel, as we saw today, now he's the third wide receiver, but he played like a number one. So if you run those two back sets, then you then somebody's got to, somebody's got to be out of the play. And I, do 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 you take out? DJ or Robbie or Curtis in those situations. Now we don't use our tight ends hardly ever. Two two targets to tight ends today for one yeah. catch. So uh, he fumbled. Yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the Panthers could look for a way to incorporate Davis and McCaffrey in sets that 
that maybe one tight end, single tight end sets or even without tight ends because we don't use them apparently for anything. But block, I don't even – do we even use them for blocking? I don't even know. That Kaiser, look, this is crazy. I kind of feel like we use Mike Davis for blocking more than we do yeah. our tight ends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, in fact, there was a, a play late in the game. McCaffrey was on the sideline. He looked a little banged up. I think they were they were doing some pads, yeah. And they ran a the Panthers had looked like they wanted to run five wide, but then they came out and switched to a four wide receiver set with Mike Davis in the backfield to block. He didn't he didn't even run around. Right, right. So it like you said, I think they they like Mike Davis's blocking ability. Um and but I feel like Mike Davis is he's I think he's versatile enough to where you could really get creative. I, I'll say this about Joe Brady this season. I really haven't had a huge, huge problem with the play calling, except that I wish that is more aggressive as far as passing the ball downfield. But it's not as creative as I thought it was going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. This guy, you know, is uh coached an outstanding college offense. He was an assistant to Sean Payton, one of the greatest offensive coaches in the NFL. Are y'all seeing that this season? Rodney, you take this one first. Yeah. <laughs> Look, man, it's it's a difference between Teddy Bridgewater and and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow can sling that ball down the field a little. A little, you, little, you, little you, little hey, Rodney, Rodney, you are still in my thunder, bro. But go ahead, go ahead, <laughs> I mean, cook. It's, it's, it's <laughs> Joe's smart enough to know the limitations of, of the people that he has. And, and and you also got to think, like these guys really essentially met each other in August, so I, I I don't expect a full bevy of play this year per se. Maybe next year he'll open up the playbook a little more when when we have a, a traditional off season OTAs, mini camps, and things like that. Things are starting to get opened up a little more. Um. Yeah, and, and th- that question is coming at a perfect time because one of our uh, chat. Uh, uh, audience of members, Chris Rogers is kind of is is telling us how awful that last drive was, and it kind of speaks to the point Rodney and Kaiser are speaking of right now. Limited arm strength. <laughs> There's just not you can open not a lot you can open up when your quarterback doesn't throw the ball down the field quite like you want him to. Uh, specifically talking about that last drive, man. Look I, again, I, we don't want to sound like we're piling on Teddy Bridgewater. But I have seen too many other times, you know, when 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 teams are in that similar situation where they have a long way to go and they got to at least get in the field goal range. You know, you can't just dump the ball off four and five yards, man. That just doesn't work. It didn't work today. And, you know. The last pass he threw, he tried to throw an out route to G.J. Moore and then overthrew him. He, he threw it over his head and D.J. ended up not being able to catch it. And I understand – hey, there, there was only four or five seconds left in the game, and you're just trying to get a quick four or five yards, you know, to make it shorter for the kicker. But even that was such a bad pass. It was, yeah, man. It, 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 like, like Kaiser, have you ever seen, a, what I guess, a routine uh, uh, sideline throw be that well defended? <laughs> you, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I've seen that or not, man. How the Panthers can't defend sideline throws like that? <laughs> 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 doing that, what, oh, what, 
city. Well, 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 Kaiser, to be fair, our DBs are always 15 yards off yeah, the receiver, so it's a little easier for the other guys to throw to the receivers, man. Uh, real quick, man, we're going to wrap the Panthers section up in a little bit, man, but I want to just kind of finish off with the defense, man. Is there a defensive MVP today? <laughs> Can we name one? I will say this. I'm not naming – I'm not necessarily saying this is the, the, the MVP for the day. I was pretty impressed – considering, you know, relatively speaking, considering the circumstances, I, I was pretty impressed with Sam Franklin today, Sam man. Franklin, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I, yeah. I, I, I may go with him. What do you guys think? No, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, leather team and tackles, I think, and how to sack and a QB hit. Um that's all you can ask for against the Chiefs, honestly. Um, I don't know if this stat is telling or not. You guys can do whatever you want to with this information. Trey Boston, two total tackles today. Do whatever you want to with that information. I don't need to because I saw Travis Kelsey. <laughs> under Arrowhead Stadium. Look, look, he look, he looked look like Josh Norman for a second, man. Yeah. Man, that's that's embarrassing. I mean. You know what else is embarrassing? I got one more thing that's embarrassing, guys. When your starting middle linebacker has one tackle for today. To hear Whitehead, one tackle today, guys. Yeah. That's not going to work. It's not going to work, man. All right, so, so with that being said, guys, first, who are your offensive MVPs for today? CMC. I'm going to go C-Mac uh, just because of his imp – the impact was so yeah. apparent. Just from the first drive, it's like, holy crap. The Panthers offense don't look half bad. Um, so he would be my pick. But I felt like there were a good few good performances you could pick from. Curtis Samuel, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I, but I think that uh, CMC was the guy today. Um, I, I, I'm only picking Curtis Samuel just to be contrarian to tell you the truth, because I, I, I'm I'm kind of with you on everything you said about Christian McCaffrey as far as impact is concerned. You can't deny the impact. I'll just give it to Curtis Samuel um, only because I think he was very important on third down in particular, and we also got a couple of rushes out of uh, Curtis Samuel as well. So I'll, I'll give it to Samuel today. Uh, are we all going with Sam Franklin for the defensive MVP today? Because there's not a lot to really choose from, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'll go with Sam Franklin. I can't think of anybody else. Um, too many penalties on the too many penalties on both sides of the ball, actually. Coaches gotta clear that up. Yeah, man. And and that's and what here's a question that I meant to ask earlier, and I uh specifically about Brian Burns. I just want to know if you guys kind of observed the same thing. Um, Brian Burns, uh, at least stat wise, is not gonna jump out at you today. But I thought he got some pretty good pressure on yeah. on Mahomes today. I thought he was in his he face a lot today. Got the ball out of his hands a few times. He just couldn't quite get there. Mahomes, late. Yeah. Mahomes is a little slippery. I think if there's any other quarterback, uh, Burns would have had a, a much bigger day on the stat sheet. But I feel like but Burns is, is quietly having a good season. Yeah, I mean, He's not like Jamal said. He's not going to jump off the stat sheet at you. But – if it wasn't for him, the Panthers would have no pressure on QBs. And uh, I think that he's actually taking advantage of the good job Derek Brown is doing up front who, as well. Derek Brown, who had five tackles today. So, yeah. absolutely, man. Yeah. All right, guys. Next Ooh, week. Whatever they pick, Isaiah Simmons. <laughs> <laughs>
Next week, guys, we have the division rivals, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Predictions for next week. What do you guys got? I'm going to call it a win. I'm going to say 28-24 Panthers. Would you like to tell us why? And, and, and uh, Is that a bold statement? I think we get to Brady a couple times next week. And I, I'm, I, I think this offense is rolling. And we pop up with a big turnover in the game. I, look, upset special. No, I'm with Rodney. I'm with Rodney on this one. The Panthers could have won the first time we played them. That was early in the season, and both teams are a little different. But Tampa Bay's defense ain't exactly super world beaters. And the first time we played them, Teddy Bridgewater put up 367 yards, and DJ Moore had 120. And the the Bucks had decided they were going to sell. They were going to just sell out on Christian McCaffrey. That's not going to work. This mm-hmm. week or next week because the Panthers are used to playing without McCaffrey. They'll say, okay, you're going to sell out McCaffrey? Well, here's a little bit of Mike Davis now. The Panthers can do that. I think that that might be the difference in a close game. I'm going to say 33-30 Panthers. I think we put, I think we, we put 33 on the Bucks. All right. Since we're all being optimistic, you guys bring up some very good, interesting points. So I'm going to be optimistic along with you guys, but I'm going to add a big but. No, no, no. I'm going to be optimistic with you guys. I'm, but again, there's a big but attached to mine. There's two actually. <clears throat> this is contingent on Jeremy Chin's health. I, if he plays next week, I will comfortably pick us to win. But I have to admit. I am very scared of Chris Godwin for the Buccaneers. We have never, ever, ever defended him well for some reason. Um, I, you know, I, I think he's back for the Bucs now. Um, I, I, our second, my, our, our secondary is always a huge question mark going in and every week, man. Hey, so man. that is a but. Hey man, I'm I'm not worried about Godwin because they signed a, a, a cancer to the locker room, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's to me it's only a matter of time before they implode. Um, also, you know, looking at the Panthers' schedule, the Panthers only have two remaining games against teams with winning records, uh, and that is Green Bay and the Saints. That's very interesting, I think, how the season could shape out. If they beat Tampa Bay, the Panthers have a good shot at finishing the season 8-8. Eight and eight. Wouldn't that be something? And and and, and just yeah. real quick, just real quickly to run down uh, the, the teams left, uh, we would have the Lions after uh, the Buccaneers, Lions, Vikings, Broncos, Packers, um, the team formerly known as the Redskins, and the Saints. That is the remaining schedule for the Panthers. Look, hot take: all all of them are potentially winnable games. They are winnable games. And look, I don't know if you guys saw this this graphic or not during the game, but uh, they showed all the quarterbacks we have played this season. And all, <laughs> I, I believe it was the last seven games. I'm sorry. And, you know, all seven of those quarterbacks were MVPs in some sort. It was Nick Foles, Mac, uh, Matt Ryan, uh, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm forgetting somebody, man, but you get the picture. Uh, uh, so, but Yeah, Pat Mahomes. The Pat Mahomes. The point is, it gets considerably easier down the road. So we'll see how it shakes out, man. Oh, uh, right. Maddie Ice and Maddie Ice, man. Maddie we'll, Lights. Yeah, we'll count him. So anywho, get rid of him. Okay, can we can we please not set up that nah, scenario? No, don't, I, don't I don't want to see that. 
guess what Danny said that uh, Matt Ryan's the first battle Hall of Famer. So let's let's move on. Let's move on. That is a perfect uh, time to move on to our next segment, <laughs> which is some NBA talk. Oh, the The NBA is officially back, fellas. They have agreed to a 72-game season, which will begin on December 22nd. Who's excited, guys? What are you most looking forward to? Rodney, what you got, man? I'm most looking forward to the continual growth of the Hornets. Um. I'm I'm just I, I'm really excited to see who they pick on this dra- in this draft. I'm I'm thinking this old James Wiseman thing is a smokescreen. I'm 100 with you. And I'm I I, I think Mitch has a trick up his sleeve. And then 24 hours to 48 hours later, free agency is around the corner, and 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 I'm interested to see how he's going to support the team that he's building. So I'm 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 just excited for the continual growth of the Hornets. Kaz, what you got? Same here. Uh, we talked about this on the midweek show. And for those of y'all that didn't watch the midweek show, go back and watch it. Watch it. But, uh, Absolutely. Good stuff. We talked about it on the midweek show. I I just feel like Anthony Edwards has got to be the pick. And now with some talks about Minnesota wanting to deal the pick and the Hornets wanting to, to move up to the first pick, I think if the Hornets are making that kind of move, based on what we've heard about Anthony Edwards, I, I think that that's the guy in more, even more important than that, if you can believe this, the Hornets, people don't realize this because of the way the season ended and everything that happened with the pandemic and then the bubble. The Hornets had a little bit of momentum built up yep. after the All-Star break. There was a, a, a change in the team. You know, uh, Miles P.J. and Devontae went to the Rising Stars Challenge and showed out, and they came back and, and – you know, they, they played a little bit better. We could see – we started to see some consistency and just overall better play. The Martin twins were looking good. I think JB started to feel comfortable in his rotations, and then a global virus came and shut everything down. I want to see if the Hornets can pick up where they left off. Yeah, absolutely. If they can start to – that momentum they had, can they come out of the gate uh, with that? And how does that look with a young – potential star, whether it's Wiseman, Edwards, or Lamelo. Um, I, I, as a Hornets fan, I can't remember the last time that I was, like, this excited about the start of the season. Maybe, maybe, maybe the year after we lost to Miami in the playoffs, I felt like, okay, we're going to get over the hump next season. Uh, you know, we got Lane and Lance even saying, I felt like, man, this is going to be it. And it didn't work out. <laughs> it didn't quite work out. But didn't quite work out. <laughs> I feel more excited about this, the prospects now, than I did then because we're not talking about some retread free agent. We got a core of young talent we can develop finally. Finally. We got young guys we can develop, and we're, we can, we're going to see what JB uh, can do with those guys. That's why I'm Speaking to that point, Kaiser, you know, I I say this often, man, and this fan base does not want to hear the P word, which is patience. You know, you know, this this fan base fan base is going to tell you they've been waiting 30 years and they've had season tickets since 88. You know, they don't want to wait anymore. They want to win now, win now, blah, 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 blah. But we have often said on this show, man, like the key to sustainable success is not the easiest road sometimes, but it is the road that the Hornets need to take. And I, 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 I'm so happy that Mitch Kupchak and Michael Jordan have taken the appro- approach of developing young talent, 
um, not making these panic trades, not bringing these kinds of, like you said it, retread free agents because it hasn't worked in the past. You know what I mean? So we need to try something different. Hornets fans have been craving for this franchise. Try something different, which we're doing now, and the fan base is still complaining. Go figure. But whatever. As far as what I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to everything. I'm I mean, November 18th can't get here fast enough, man. I, I cannot wait to see who this team picks, man. Um, I, we are all in agreement. Anthony Edwards needs to be the guy. You look at his film, that dude's film jumps out at you, man. His yeah. athleticism, his skill level, his confidence, everything just kind of just jumps off the screen at you, man. What it is for me, I feel like I think an important um – uh, trait when it comes to draft picks, the it factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it just seem like he has that it factor? And I know that that's very subjective and it's kind of vague and not positive, but that's when I watch film and highlights of Anthony Edwards compared more so even to LaMelo, I'm like, man, this kid is different. Hey, yeah. hey, hey Kaiser, Kaiser, you know the last person who I thought had the it factor? Kobe Bryant. He, he yeah. had it. He had that thing, that 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 undescribable thing that you're describing. He had that confidence from the jump. And I yep. look, and guys, let, before somebody comes on here and try to blast me, I'm not saying Anthony Edwards is going to turn into Kobe Bryant. Let's let's be clear about that. But he just has that thing, man. I, I heard him uh, in an interview. You know, with, when they were comparing him with Dwayne Wade, and I was, you know, he was speaking about how it's an honor to be. Uh, compared to Dwayne Wade, it would be an honor to be the first pick, man. And, and I just like the way the guy talks. I just, I, I, I really just, he, he, if he's, if he's selling me on him, he got an A plus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, <laughs> which brings me to my next point. There's been, a, there's been reports that Lamelo Ball stock may be dropping. Does that scare y'all? I mean, he honestly, he was never really. I mean. Outside of me initially looking into video of the prospects, he never was really on my radar. I mean, he's a subpar shooter as a guard. I mean, this is a guard-driven league. I mean, he's a, he's a shot creator, doesn't play defense, and he has a slight frame. And, and I was never that high on the guy. And it's just like, okay, I see the special vision, but I see the jump shot that comes from right here. Mm-hmm. And then – and God knows what happened to the last guy whose jump shot came from right there, but I digress. Go ahead. Don't talk about that. Um, and, and then another thing was I, I, I saw an interview. He's like, yeah, I'm not willing to work on my shot. I'm like, you can't do that. Like, You can't, you can't say stuff like that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You can't. Sorry, guys. I have some technical difficulties. Oh, you're good, man. You're good, bro. I was wondering why there was two Kaisers on the screen. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> no, but, uh, as far as the mellow ball stock, um, I don't, I, you know, we see this every draft though. And this is why sometimes this, this is how Christoph Porzingis ended up, what, number four? Yeah. Because, you know, he just came out of nowhere and people were like, whoa, who is, who is this guy? And the Knicks decided to take a chance on him and it, and it, well, it didn't work out for them, but it worked out for, for Porzingis. So, um, this and the Knicks got booed for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I, and I wonder, is there anyone else that that the Hornets could draft that that we would boo? I, I'm glad. I am so. Listen, I am so glad you asked it. Uh-uh. 
No, listen, I'm so glad you asked that question, Kaiser, because this is a perfect segue to what I was going to ask next. Rodney, I specifically want to ask you about this because you you you've brought this young man up before. Is I'm going to screw up his name, Oneka Okwangu. Is he this draft's Kristaps Porzingis? And, and and what I mean by that is he the guy nobody's looking at, but the guy that might mess around to be the best guy in the draft. Is he that guy? I mean, he he can be the bam out of bio of the draft. I mean. To say he's Kristaps is, is kind of lofty, but, I mean, he has Bam Adebayo potential. But, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I'm, I'm going to say your name, and you're gonna, you guys are going to, like, revolt. <laughs> Look, he's going to be good. Cole Anthony, man. No, 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 no. No, no, no. no, no. Not for the Hornets. But I'm saying, like, th- this, guy's, this guy's stock is underrated. At North Carolina, he had no help around him. And all these all-star games and showcases coming out, he was the MVP. He was he was the best player, hands down. It's it, he, the one bad year is is, brick, is driving his stock down. If if I'm the Hornets and he slips to like number twenty, look, man, I'm trying to package something to move up. Oh, okay, well, well, look, okay, now no, at number twenty is, is a different thing. Now I look because you you damn right I was about to revolt if you were talking about not picking him at three, pick, not the third pick. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Uh, here's the interesting thing, though, about the third pick. One of the three projected top three picks is not going to be as good as he was drafted at. That's history. Historically, in the history of the lottery draft era, never have all three first three picks in the draft ended up being all-stars. That's never happened. So we have a chance of blowing this. You have a one in three chance of picking the guy that ends I, up. Look, I, I hate to say it, we always do, but go ahead. Man. <laughs> and and, and I'm not, as a Hornets fan, I'm thinking we're going to be that one. No matter it's we, whoever we pick is going to be the guy that's not it's that good. good. And, and and I feel for some reason I, I feel like Anthony Edwards is not going to be one of those guys. I think the bigger rule. I'm with you. I'm is, with you. Is with. Um, Wiseman and Ball, mainly because yeah. uh, you look at Ball's got great potential and skill set, but his shooting is kind of iffy. He does have some pro experience and that helps, whereas Wiseman looks very skilled and athletic for someone his size, but doesn't have any real experience against real hoopers. I'm, I'm, what if, look, what if Wiseman is nothing but a black Cody Zeller who's a little more athletic. Okay, so I I want to put that. I didn't feel like they crucified that day because I was already having that day at work. People forget how highly touted Cody Zeller was coming out of college. It, it, that was not seen as a bad pick at the time. Listen, was, listen. Cody Zeller was a player of the year candidate when he was at Indiana his, yeah, his last year. So, and we're talking about a guy who had college experience. James Wiseman doesn't even have that. Now, just from the eye test, Wiseman, you know, people look at Wiseman like, man, he can he can handle the ball well. He can shoot some. He has all the, the skills you want from an NBA big man. He's a little undersized as far as bulk, in my opinion, to play the five in the NBA. But I can see why people are high on James Wiseman. But, the, but to me, there's always that, well, he didn't really play college ball, like at all. And I'm, people are like, well, Kyrie played eight games. There's a difference in eight games. In the ACC, and versus then, versus two against uh, uh, Central Carolina right, Tech, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. You know, Kyrie is playing against UNC 
and Florida State, and I don't even know who James Wiseman was playing against. So um, there's that. And I just feel like Ed, Edwards, he's, I wouldn't call any of those picks safe, but I just feel like he's going to be a, a talented NBA player. So, so Rodney, you, you've already basically answered this question. So, Kyle, I want to ask you this. Who, who's the pick that if the Hornets pick, we, the fans are just going to burn the arena down? Who, who, who's that pick? Like I said in the midweek show, there's only three guys you could pick that's not going to get a boo. That's Wiseman Ball or Edwards. Either one Ball, of those. Ball will get a boo, man. Ball will get a few boos. Okay, Ball, Ball, you think so? Yes. Ball will get some boos. I, I could see that. I could see some Hornets fans. Uh First of all, I don't, I, think, I don't think Anthony Edwards gets booed at all. I think some there are some fans who wouldn't make that pick, but they wouldn't boo that pick. I okay. think there are a lot of fans that don't know enough about Anthony Edwards. Right, I, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, because, you know, Georgia's not necessarily a basketball school. You know what I mean? They're not on national TV all the time. So you, know, I just don't. you know, I feel like those are the schools that, uh, for, that end up a lot of times having, like, take, for instance, Kevin Durant. Yeah. Texas. Who, right. Hey, is Texas like some kind of collegiate basketball powerhouse? <laughs> not no. at all. Man. He, he, he was not. But it was like, man, look at that dude from Texas. He's going to be really good in the NBA. I feel that way about Anthony Edwards. So. I do too. I mean, I mean the, real quick, I had a question in the comments. Do we want the number three pick to be a day one starter? Um, I uh, why not? Let, let me answer this first, Rodney. I, I mean, why not? Uh, PJ Washington was, and, and that turned out pretty damn good. Um, th this team, not to be Captain Obvious, you look for the best talent to upgrade the talent on this team. So if they have the talent to start on this team day one, you're damn right we want them to start day one. And look, we're, we're not expected to do much next season. If we make the playoffs, that's just, you know, that'll just be icing on the cake, man. You know what I mean? So I say that to say we don't have anything to lose by starting a young guy. So absolutely, yeah. And I'm sorry I, I, to cut you off, Roddy. You were saying no, something. I mean, look, man, look, if, if if I'm picking in the top three in any draft and we're not title contenders, ideally I want you to be a day one starter. Absolutely. You should be a day one starter. Yeah. I mean normally if you're if you're picking top three, you're picking someone that is gonna be a franchise guy. Yeah. Now, much. I, I think this draft is weak enough that it's hard to say if any of the projected top five picks are franchise guys. Right. But I think, yeah, like Ronnie said, if I pick you number three, you're going to get a shot starting. Uh, now, now guys, th th this begs an interesting question because, uh, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Mitch Kupchak has alluded to the fact that he is not really concerned with roster composition, meaning that he's, you know, he doesn't care if we have too many of one position. With that being said, guys, if Edwards is indeed the guy, what happens to our backcourt? Who starts? Who sits? Who gets traded? What, what you got? How do you guys feel about that? Look, man, I love Terry Rozier. He was decent <laughs> when he was here. Look, you you have to move Terry at this point. Devontae's a better passer, a better shooter, younger. A young, I'm about a year or two younger. A better and, contract. And he's more cost controlled at this point. So I mean, Terry can Terry can get you a mid first round pick. He can get you another salary dump person. But I mean, if, if we pick Edwards, I mean Terry has to go. I mean Terry will understand. I yeah. I agree. I, and I think 
this is not a knock on Terry Rozier. If anything, it's a compliment to him. He has played his way possibly into a better position than to be the second fiddle guard on the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, there are a lot of teams out there that are going to look at Terry Rozier and what he was able to do in Charlotte and say, you know what? I think we can use that guy. Teams mm-hmm. already know what he did in the playoffs, uh, leading Boston to the ETF a few years ago when Kyrie went, went down. Teams don't forget that kind of stuff. Terry Rozier is a capable player. But having said that, yeah, if if you draft Edwards, you would want him at the two. You slide uh, Graham over to the point and all your problems are solved. And it would not surprise me if Rozier was part of some kind of draft day trade in order to ensure that we get the pick <clears throat> that we want. That way it makes it just so much easier. Um, you know, imagine I, you trade Rozier and the number three to Minnesota for the number one and, you know, some money or, you know, one of their their guys sitting way down the end of the bench. I could see something like, like that happening. So, you know, I, I don't want us to repeat a lot of the things we said on the midweek show because we actually want people to watch it. With that being said, though, I want to I want to ask the question, man, who is the X factor on this team coming this season? Like who 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 is the guy that you look at? And you say, I want to see some marked improvement out of this guy because he is important to whether or not the Hornets win or lose. Is there a guy on this roster like that? And if so, who is he? Go watch the midweek show. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it's Miles Bridges. If Miles Bridges has a good, good season, the Hornets are, are going to be a good team, or at least a, a playoff team. If Miles Bridges has a season, like, a lot like his last season was bad, but it wasn't like a huge Up and down. Right. Mm. If he has another inconsistent season, I think the Hornets will struggle. Um uh, PJ, it'll only be his second season, uh, and we'd like to see a, a big jump from him. But I think when Miles is more, it's more important, and mainly because fans are just not sold on Miles Bridges, um, which is kind of disappointing considering you know he's kind of flashy, he's athletic, you know he can dunk, he can shoot three, you know he can do a lot of things. But fans are not big on him because a lot of people were upset that we traded Shea Gilgis Alexander. He didn't Michael. draft Michael Porter Jr. Don't forget that part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are two things. We, we traded Shea. He didn't draft Bo Bowl either. Yeah, we traded Shea, who ended up being a really uh, important piece in Oklahoma City. And then we didn't draft Michael Porter Jr., who that's a whole nother. So, you know, oh, yeah, it's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so Miles Bridges always comes under a lot of scrutiny from our fans. I think this is kind of a make or break season for him we've got to see just consistency i'm not even saying he's got to put up all-star numbers but you if you get like 15 and 5 from him that's a win that's a win that's a win and uh that that's my pick totally agree i'm I'm gonna bite i'm gonna say uh i'm gonna say Devontae. uh he has to prove that last year wasn't a fluke he has to improve on his shooting numbers impressive from three but Inside that art, I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot to be desired. He has to finish better at the rack. I mean, if, if, in, in order to secure that long-term deal, you have to prove that you're worth that long-term deal. I mean, there, there have been plenty of flukes in the NBA. You need to show us this year that you are the point guard of the future. Um, I'll, I'm going to speak real quickly, man, and I'm going to make this real quick. I'm also in agreement with you, Rodney. I think it's also Devontae Graham for this one reason. When he went – 
you know, when he when he slumped last year, the Hornets slumped. It's that simple. It's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like we come and go with Devontae Graham. When he plays well, this team wins. When he does it, we don't. That, that's my simple and plain explanation behind that one, man. We don't have a lot of time, man. I want to ask y'all a real quick question. Uh, Non-Hornet stuff. What is an interesting storyline going into the NBA season? What are you looking forward to in that regards? Um, I'm looking forward to what the Warriors do with the second pick and how they come back this year. <laughs> Absolutely. The West is going to be a three-team bloodbath to the end. Yeah, I think the Warriors are probably the – can they be the Warriors that they were throughout this entire decade? It, I, I, it is weird because I still think the Warriors get underrated a bit. They were the most dominant team of the last 10 years, five straight NBA finals, uh, three championships, and the second Steph Curry and Klay Thompson injured, it's like, well – so the West uh, belongs to LeBron and the Lakers now. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we went to the finals last year, and they were, like, banged up. So um, I think they're probably the biggest story. That and, of course, the the New York, the, the, the excuse me, the Brooklyn Nets experiment. Mm-hmm. Want to be very interesting. And I think – Very good yeah, or very bad. Absolutely. The strongest we've seen the East in a long, long time time yeah, I think yeah. we sneak into the playoffs because i think the very bottom of the east uh you know you got your orlando's you got Atlanta's, indiana's the bulls the the names because I, I think indiana's gonna drop off a bit which is why i named him yeah, Go ahead. I, I think charlotte can be in that mix but you look at the top six man yeah. those teams could win a championship honestly yeah so, um yeah, and I, I, my 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 pick was the the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets storyline, man. And I, you, I did, my my gut feeling tells me it was such a mistake getting rid of Kenny Atkinson. I may be wrong about yeah. that. You know, Steve, Steve Nash is obviously an, an unknown commodity. We don't know what's going to come out of that situation, which makes it an interesting storyline because you definitely you know you got KD and Kyrie Irving. You know, we don't know about their how healthy they are. But the Brooklyn Nets are a deep team. They are well equipped to come out of come out of the East. That don't mean they will. We've seen we've seen times in the past where teams have stacked talent, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's cohesive, and that doesn't necessarily uh, result in the best outcome. But with that being said, like I said, they are well equipped to make a title run coming out the East, man. Um, real quick, y'all, we are at the end of the show. Um, just want to say, you guys got any shout outs or shout ats? Uh, shout out to the uh, to the Clemson Tigers, man. We uh, lost to Notre Dame. Good game. We're gonna see y'all again in three weeks with the fully healthy defense. Hey, man. I, look, I, I want to see. I want to see that ACC title, man. I ain't gonna lie. I, I want to see y'all two battle out for the ACC title. Man, it's, it's, it's gonna be a barn burner. Yeah, Kaiser, what you got? Um, besides the, the, the obvious wins of this week, you know, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> but whether, what, regardless of what you think about voting or our democracy, black people save the country again. So shout out to all the people that, that did the work to get people, uh, you know, more Americans voted in this election than anyone in history. I think that says a lot. People yeah. are dancing in the streets like like when they kill Saddam Hussein. It's crazy, man. It's, it's, just, <laughs> it's crazy. So shout out to those people. Also, rest in peace to Alex Trebek. Man, I mean, yeah, right, right, man. Yeah. Whenever you lose someone iconic like that, 
it's uh it's very sad and jeopardy will not be the same i it's I, it's gonna feel weird watching jeopardy and exactly. having somebody else um hosting the shows man. look if they decide to replace alex trebek there is only one logical logical choice man to me that's ken jennings that's it because right, uh, other than yeah, that yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah you, you can't replace that dude man um I don't really have a shout out or shout at more like a parting shot. And my parting shot goes out to the people, the people of the United States. I've said this before, man. There are a lot of naysayers when it comes to voting. I understand the sentiment. I don't agree with it, but I understand the sentiment. My counter argument with that is we have seen that the people have a lot more power than we think sometimes. Like a, like a chat member just said, shout out to Stacey Abrams, who, and she'll even say this by, she'll even say this herself. She didn't do it by herself, but she damn sure led the charge in, turn, in turning Georgia into a quote-unquote blue state. So again, people, you have a lot more power than you think. My last parting shot is this. <clears throat> people are celebrating don't want to get into the reasons why they're celebrating. I don't want that. I don't want that discussion today. But people are obviously celebrating and happy about change. I just want to remind everyone that if you are about change, if you are about any type of revolution, if you are about progress, just know that the real work for all of us starts after the inauguration. That's my party side. Oh, and then finally, man, uh, look, man, we, we had 104 murders in Charlotte this year. Stop the killing. Stop the violence. It's not worth it. Uh, young men are killing them, killing each other, killing themselves. It's, it's, it's totally not worth it, man. One of the last ones includes a 16-year-old boy who was murdered last night, man. So, Charlotte, y'all got to do better, man. Society, we got to do better, but um don't want to end it on a sad note man thanks to all of our listeners and watchers and guys in the chat room chris shout out to you uh shout out to everyone else in the chat room man we will see y'all next week peace and love peace out y'all macho macho man oh lord bye man <laughs> <laughs> all right